and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have the great Alex Marshall Brown. Now, Alex and I have met each other before, full disclosure. We're going to talk about that early, uh, a little later on today. Can't wait to speak to her. Now, she's on the line right now. Now, I saw a... <laughs> I usually speak for about five minutes, right? We all know this. We have a large audience today. We have a gigantic audience today, actually, I can see here. But you all know that I talk for about five minutes before the guest comes online. Now, one of the reasons why I do this is because it takes around five minutes for the guest to come online. For them to find out the phone number, to figure out like you know how they should call in, to figure out their voice modulation and what have you. Now Alex called in before the show even began. I saw her number just come on up. So she's one of our great guests. But you know I saw somebody say, like, you know, if you want to listen to this person's uh, interview, skip five minutes. Listen, if you want to skip five minutes, that's perfectly fine. You'll skip me, um, my introduction, what I'm going to talk about. Uh, that's perfectly fine. Skip five minutes. But usually when I, when I go long and when I start chit-chatting for a very long time to the audience is at the end of the show. So if you want to really skip something, skip the end of the show. Right when the person starts, you know, says goodbye and... I'm out of here. That's pretty much when you should leave. If you want to skip me talking, uh, that's pretty much when <laughs> when you should leave. <laughs> How are all of you guys doing? You guys doing well? This pandemic hit us hard, and I think people have gone through some really major shell shock. Now, I don't say that. I don't say that easily because shell shock is a very serious thing. It's PTSD, really. It's World War One PTSD. But people are really going through some really rough times. They're really gone crazy. Yesterday, I got into a fight with a, a grocer. She was really angry. I mean, angry with, with a capital A. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> But, you know, everybody has their breaking point, you know? I mean, you don't think your wife has a breaking point, your girlfriend has a breaking point. Everybody in the world has their breaking point. So I would say to all of you, just, you know, take it easy, relax, chill out, ride this thing out, you know? And a lot of you understand that you wouldn't make great astronauts. <laughs> you wouldn't make great astronauts because if you were... If you were in some kind of ship out there and you had this attitude, you would flip out. You would flip out, man, and open up that door and try to get out to the first Walmart. I'm telling you right now, you know, if you can't handle this amount of time, I understand I'm not trying to make fun of the economic ties and the, the, the political ties of this entire thing, but... If you cannot handle two months of your own time being inside, you should—you certainly should not be an astronaut. All right. 
Alex Marshall Brown, let's bring her in here. Let's let's give her a little bit of a clap track. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Let's let the clap track come in. There you go. (laughs) Hey there. Good morning. (laughs) How are you doing, girl? I'm doing all right. I am definitely not an astronaut, but I'm doing all right. (laughs) (laughs) Would you be one of those people that would open up that door and go straight to Walmart? I mean, go straight to like some Target or something like that? No, no. I I think that I'd probably go ahead and just continue going crazy in my isolation. (laughs) (laughs) I would go madness. I go mad in my isolation. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll allow my hypochondria to allow me to survive without my sanity, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, full, full disclosure, you and I have met, a, you know, a long time ago at an at a uh, ice stunt um, a bowling event, did we not? Here we go, yes it was. I was thinking also the Artemis Film Festival, but yes, I do remember that bowling No, we event. did meet each other there as well, yes. That's funny oh, that, you, that you remembered that, <laughs> yes. Wow, look at you. Big, big memory. <laughs> no, man, it's not that deep. I'm just trying real hard as all. <laughs> you know, you... You know, you, that's part of the beauty of this pandemic is that you have the time to go ahead and carve through your memories and wonder what's real and what's not. That's what this time has offered me. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a fantastic <laughs> opportunity for introspection. I've really, I, I mean, I'm... Uh, oddly grateful for this time to 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 have the introspective moments to dig into the wells of memories to try to figure out like what applies what doesn't and like carve a path for where you want things to go like this having the chance to slow down is the only way that you can really do that with confidence i feel like for me personally absolutely now now what what was the name we gave you at the at the uh ice stunt uh bowling ring we Mm. gave you a we gave you a name was it was it the sexy scary or was it scary sexy? What were you? Uh, I you think were scary. I, was, I think I arrived at that party. I was kind of scary. Was that the one where I had the um the Dia de los Muertos face? That's it. No, was that what the one? Okay, so in that case, I, I came think so. As a Sugar Ray Leonard doll because I had the, <laughs> the Sugar Doll face, but I also had the gloves on my neck. So yeah, that was that was that was not it. That was not it. That was not it. I promise you, that was not it. No, you're. It was another event. Uh, Yeah, you. The bowling one. Did I have on like a very bright pink dress? Was I a fairy? Did I have wings? I don't know. That that might have been. That might have been it. Because you. Because I can easily (laughs) see your face. But you were you you were scared. You know, I met a lot of great stunt people that that day. But you know, you were Mm -hmm. very scary. (laughs) <laughs> and and, fu- and funny and and articulate and enjoyable to oh, be around and I kept on rounding about to talk to you because you're one of these funny people that you know you can feel comfortable around that you can feel you know you, you can talk to and enjoy yourself oh, I with I really appreciate that thank you yeah <laughs> so you know you're one of those great people so you know before we get started how are you and your family doing during during this time or during this pandemic it, it is, we are very fortunate, and I am grateful for that. Um, I have a large family, um, and many of them are elders that could be very negatively affected by what's going on right, right now. Um, 
and uncles I, yeah. <laughs> who are right. all like who are all listening and, and staying indoors. And I reach out to them weekly, just checking in on seeing how they're doing. And so gratefully they're doing well. And on my mom's side, I have uh, a couple of ER physicians that are um, working very hard and cobbling their sanity together as best as they can and right. building their own routines and, and meditations to, to weather the storm of what we're living through. Um, and so, like, I've been trying to offer my support as best as I can. I've been making the phone calls or sending care packages or trying to get some 3D masks printed. I'm just, I'm just trying right. to be involved in the, the least obtrusive way possible. <laughs> you know, I don't want to assume anything, but there, there is a large disparity between African Americans in, in America and, and the Anglo population. Are, are, yes. you, are you finding that to be the same kind of situation that you're worried about with your family as well? Uh, I have gone through several rage spirals about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would love to hear I would love to hear about it. <laughs> um, it. It is it is yeah, I've gone through several rage spirals about it. Uh, there's a rage and um, it's hard to describe. It's even here now, this too, like even through yeah. centuries of oppression and even through like trying to weather the civil rights movement and even trying right. to go ahead and like get an education and be a functioning member of society and trying to right. build yourself up above where you are. Even here now too, in an event where everyone is suffering, our suffering is even more magnified. It, right. There is a rage there that I have a hard time uh, uh, quelling. Did you so, did you see that big thing about black black men who black men who didn't want to wear masks because you know they kept on being arrested for being masks like the the two guys in uh, Walmart. That was the first thing many black men black friends of mine who would say and complain about saying that I don't know that I'm going to be able to live through this because they want me to wear a mask and that's going to be the first time that they shouldn't trust me. And right. That is a very psychologically fucked up place to exist in when you know that your own health is involved. Well, you can't, e you can't even survive, you know, jogging people around you feel comfortable. Right. But, you can't even survive going, you know, running down Georgia, much less, you know, wearing a mask and what have right. you imagine, imagine mm -hmm. if you wore a mask, I mean, he would have been like shot three times instead of two. So like I, there, I've gone through odd moments of trying to reclaim that also where I actively wear a mask. I wear the most, perceivably threatening mask of it um, imaginable and I try to just be as cute as possible as I wear it <laughs> to try to like minimize wow. the, Seriously? the preconceived notion. Yeah, no, like I try to make sure that I am as approachable and as kind as possible. You can only see my eyes, but I'm clearly making an active effort to make you feel okay so that hopefully I can change their minds when they confront somebody else who is also wearing the mask and I mean, you're not having a good day as I am in that moment. I mean, you're extremely cute. I mean, like... That that is so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're You're very cute. Like that is so sad <laughs> to think about um, <laughs> that you have to make yourself cuter. No, I I am also really lucky that I live in a liberal bubble where people are more willing to have their minds changed by that situation. Sure. Um, right. And so, like that, that gives me a bit more confidence and willingness to do that. But I will freely admit that had I been living in other parts of the country, I just would stay indoors always. Wow. Wow. I want our listeners to listen to that and remember that, because that is horrifying, and that is that that shouldn't 
that shouldn't happen. And I think a lot of our, 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 the people that are listening to us, a a lot of our, our honorees that are listening to us right now would agree, but I want you to understand all of you who are listening right now, that that is one of the saddest, saddest things about America right now is that there is a disparity between white America and black America and a a separation between the two and how black America is being really harmed in a, in a really big way. And white America is being accepted in a certain way. And it really shows that there are two Americas. Am I wrong on that one? Uh, I, I don't know. I think it is. There's so many layers to it. There, I yeah. couldn't say that there are two Americas. I'd say that there are multiple, multiple Americas all trying to coexist independently and not right. being able to do that successfully. Because there are racial disparities, there are economic disparities, there are economic disparities that affect uh, racial lines, and right. uh, that don't affect racial lines, but people believe that they do. And so, sure. uh, we, I think ultimately we have an economic problem that is uh, marred and confused by a history of a racial problem, when really there is no racial problem except for the, the lies that people tell themselves. Right. Right. I agree with you. So, you know, now that we've, uh, you know, pretty much isolated a quarter of my audience here <laughs> and made them feel bad. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey. So, the thing is, is that in no way do I ever advocate for white guilt. In no way am I pushing for people to feel bad about the histories that we all the need fact to you, share. The fact that you all even need to say white ask. guilt is sad, by the way. No, no, no. I, I appreciate your willingness to soothe me in that moment, but it is, that's not what I need right now. Right. Um, I only am wishing that people realize that I, there is, I do not point a finger, a finger in blaming anyone for what the current circumstances are. All I can right. ever hope for is that people mutually are under the belief that there is a problem that needs to be resolved and actively take steps towards that. If yes. there is no judgment, it is just a matter of how actively involved are you in that pursuit. Right. So your, your family is doing well. They're healthy. Yeah. They're happy. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. Um, We're all finding little ways to entertain ourselves. My uncle and I have <laughs> just deep into art and painting and just trying to go ahead and pass the time with a creative outlet like that. <laughs> um, and I have another aunt who is, like reviewing a bunch of journals that she wrote in the past and trying to analyze them with her new wise and perspective. I have another uncle who is doing his own self work and wants to build a a young male organization uh, teaching about trauma and how to communicate one's emotions and how to be uh, more present and involved in their body to be able to give back to the world in a healthier way that sounds great. so that black wow. men don't feel trapped by their emotions. So like they're yes. all doing these wonderful little random side projects. So a bit on, P- a bit on PTSD, pandemic, what have you. They wouldn't yeah. have done. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. So everybody's doing some work in order to, to add back to society once society opens its doors again. I come from a family of educators who are, have just who live best when they give back. That is my observation. Right. right. Now you're not, a, you're not an LA native. You're, you're a world native as, as I can see. I am. Like you, yeah. Um, you lived around the world. 
I was really lucky. Yeah, my dad was my dad worked for the U.S. State Department, and so every two okay. years or so, on average, we would move to a different country. Um, and so most of the tours when I was living at home were predominantly in the Caribbean, South America, and South Africa. So we hopped around quite a bit. Oh my God! So what was it like <laughs> jumping around the bed and, and, and meeting the world and seeing all kinds of different people? Uh, there are very, very many layers to this. Uh, yes. Um, I had a phenomenal time learning about other cultures. I yeah. really enjoyed uh, being exposed to the different music, the different holiday practices, um, the different food and culinary preferences, the different ways that they oh, were affected food. by uh, cultural yeah. tradition. So, like, even though I was living in the Caribbean, like, there was a great uh, Amerindian influence. Um, Asian yeah. Indian influence. And so like our holidays would be like Pagua and, and then we'd have Boxing Day, which was a European influence. And like I went to these European schools, um, but we were still living in Caribbean places where the beach was always a half hour away. So it's, it's a wide variety of experiential uh, influences. Uh, right. But also, when you're little and there's a lot going on, it can feel overwhelming. So I went through my own waves of that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds I got amazing. Really used to making friends and leaving friends. You know, I I, I I definitely ask everybody who's been to the Caribbean, who's lived to the Caribbean, what does conch taste like? You know, conch. Um, it's been a long time I've had it. Yes, uh, it depends how you cook it, uh, but. Uh, yeah. It looks delicious. It's really tough if it's not cooked well. It okay. is really, really, really good. But it also super rare. And so it's not the kind of thing that I've had much of. But when I've had it, I right. really did enjoy it. It's kind of like, it's like a tougher lobster. But if you cook it well, oh. it can be a really great soup. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I, every time mm-hmm. I see it, I'm like, I want that. <laughs> every time I see somebody cook it, I'm like, <laughs> you know, that, that looks amazing to me. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's not like watching somebody. Strange man, you're like I want that thing that comes out of the ocean that looks like a giant tongue. Give me that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that it's. That's great. That's great. I don't know. There's no judgment. I'm just tickled. (laughs) I must sound like a weirdo right now. No man, no. It's delicious. You should enjoy it. <laughs> so, you know, you're not an LA native. You you've lived the world. You've been around the world. I mean, you're you're you know, and I figured that your 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 father or your mother worked for the, either the State Department or worked for the government and what have you. Mm-hmm, That's the mm-hmm. only reason why people jump countries the way you have. Moving that way, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the only reason why. Um, you know, what, what is it, what is about that jump or what is it about that world that made you want to become, because you, you've done more acting than you've done stunts. So what is it about that I've that made me want to be? I've done a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, what, what about it makes me want to be what now? No, 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 please. You've done a lot of things. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've done a lot of different things. Um, uh, I don't think my dad knew what he was going to get out of me. <laughs> yeah. Like my dad was an economist, political science major. He joined the state department and wound up becoming. Oh uh, no. He's a political uh, science major so, yeah. with, 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 with economy. That's that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, I understand so now. He didn't quite know what he was going to get with me, and he didn't quite know what his contribution to the world would be. He just knew that he had to go and contribute. And he wound up doing a whole lot of things, becoming like the charge d'affaires to the American embassy, which is like one step below ambassador for many right. different countries. And so he did very well. But like the artist child that he had, he didn't quite know <laughs> how to foster. He just knew that he needed to try something, right? Right. <laughs> right. Um, and so... I went to I went to boarding school in North Carolina um, for high school, and so I was a four year boarder there, um, just trying to figure out where my place was. But he had been grooming right. me for so long to be an academic, um, right. so I pretty much had like a PhD awareness of philosophy and various other things by the time I got to school. And sure. So, <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of things that I was also just trying to sort through in my own. I have a fair amount of trauma in my own personal history. You know, um, if I can pause so, you for just one second, you, you are sure. exactly, exactly the way I remember you, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're exactly the way I remember you. This is why you and I, I talked. You and I talked for, for like an hour uh, on the bowling strip and everybody's like, hurry up and bowl. But you, you are, oh, yeah, you are no, a very interesting that. human. You are, yeah, you are a very interesting human being and you have, no, no qualms about it, but, you know, talking about what's important, talking about like your life and what have you. And, and I'm incredible. And my audience is incredibly interested in you. I'm sorry. Continue, oh, please. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I didn't quite know what to make of myself when I got to high school. So I did a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. I played a sport every season. I, I was I was always naturally very talented. I just couldn't direct my focus in a talent because I was generally talented at most things. Right. It was kind of like being like Jacqueline of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't a jack of one trade. I was a jack of right. many. But I jack couldn't master any of them as a result. Right. Um. So I was always just like testing around was like, oh, I like to do this now. And then I like to do this now. And I like to do that. And so like uh, acting was just one of the many things that I happened to land on. It just so happened right. that acting caught me right in time for college when I had to pick a major. That's what happened. <laughs> it, was time, it was time to pick a major and I had just found acting. So I was like, okay, maybe this for a while. <laughs> how, how, did you, how did you find acting? How did it come to your, to your being? So I, oh, okay, so it started before that. While I was still living abroad, um, yeah. we had gone to Carnival in Trinidad. And at Carnival at Trinidad, it is a beautiful set where people dress up in these huge costumes and they dance down the street. It was, uh, right. they dance down the street and they're playing all this music and they're sharing their food and their beverages and people are just getting day drunk and having the best of times. And their right. children get drunk. Well, they don't, children don't get drunk with them, but their children are sharing <laughs> the festivities with them. <laughs> well, there, there um, is no alcohol so, limit in their country, by the way. So I'm pretty sure the kids are getting drunk as well. But please continue on. Everyone is clearly supported and loved. It is not a dating <laughs> environment. It's just nothing but celebration. Right. And so me being the little child hoarder that I was at the time was like, look at all of these costumes that people are throwing away. I need this in my life. <laughs> so I gathered a bunch of costumes and took them with me to the next country that we went to, which was uh, Lesotho, right. South Africa. And in Lesotho, my school was doing a production of Alice in Wonderland. 
and I, this was my first introduction to the theater department. I was not involved in the show at the time. I had literally just been wandering by and heard that they were in need of costumes for the card soldiers. So I had to negotiate. I was like, okay, guys, so listen up. I have these one-of-a-kind Trinidadian festival costumes that I think would make great breastplates and, like, loincloth kind of things for your soldiers if you want, but you've got to give me a place in the show. <laughs> and the director, uh, I guess, liked my moxie or liked my costumes, and so she made me a card soldier, and <laughs> that was my first acting job. <laughs> I like the way you said oh. moxie, which is a Yiddish word, by the way. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you you wanted to go you wanted to go into acting, and uh, so so what did you do to pursue that? Uh, finished that when I got to high school. I was involved in a production, but it there wasn't there weren't many roles for me. So I would help out in other capacities, doing stage management or recording, doing videography, or just be involved in the theater department. But like right. by the time I got to college, I did not, I didn't know what acting was by the time I got to college fully. Um, that's where I really got more experience and got a better understanding in terms of technique and Meisner and how to approach it as a collaborative artist. Um, hmm. It was purely accidental that I got involved because. I had heard the first week of school that they were hosting auditions for the fall show and I happened sure. to go on audition. Um, and when I went to audition, I didn't know what a contemporary monologue was. So I did the, I did a monologue, a Shakespeare monoco- monologue that I had done for a competition in high school, which was King Claudius. Um, oh my God. So I auditioned with a King Claudius monologue with a flower in my hair. And because I looked ridiculously cute doing this ridiculous Hamlet piece, They'd cast right. me in a kid's show. So that was my <laughs> college production. That um, makes sense about you. But Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, I was, I was too cute to be that serious, apparently, at yes. the time. Um, yes. And, but, like, that was, that was the transition in people noticing that I was, that I seemed okay at it. And then right. they recommended that I get into an acting one program and audition for the BFA program. And then I was one of 12 people to be accepted at the BFA program. So the BFA really program like is huge. Yeah. Yeah. The acting sort of picked me once I got to college. It was just the thing that I was paying attention to at the time. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. You know, what, did you have any aspirations after that about what acting you wanted to do and where you wanted to aspire to be? Um, I, the only thing that I knew is that I had a strong aversion to politics. Um, and that might just be because I had at that point felt like I had enough of it. I knew that politics was a lot of, there was a lot of BS involved. Right. Um, Well, your father being a political science major and also being in economics, that, that is all you need to know about you know, the kind of brain that you have. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you understand. I mean, I, I, you know, I am a political animal, so I, I love okay. politics. So it, it, it drives me nuts. The certain, and I, I don't mm-hmm. talk about it on my radio show ever. I don't want to want anybody to be, you know, this is probably the most extreme that I've talked to you about, talked about on the show when I talked to you okay. about Black America and what have you. This is, this is probably the most extreme that I've talked about politics on the show because I don't want people to be involved in politics on my show because there's so much political talk I totally already. I understand. 
Right. And it's but, all different uh, people's ideology, and you don't know what buttons you push as a result. I totally understand you don't, that. Yeah, you, you don't know who you're going to piss off. Uh, on the other hand, there's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to miss an opportunity to talk about the fact that there is a disparity between white and black America, and that you know, like you know, black Americans are, are are afraid to hide you know their face because they might be arrested, like this doctor in Philadelphia who was arrested because he was like emptying his van. And he's arrested because, uh, you know, he thinks he's robbing somebody. It's like, that's insane oh, to me. I didn't hear about that one. That is yeah. insane. That's insane. And that's political, you know. And then, we, you know, yeah. when you watch, like, yesterday about Michigan. There are motives involved for that. There are exactly motives about, about that. And there's, a, there's a, absolutely a separation of, of, of state right now. And that shouldn't be so. And somebody who understands politics like yourself understands how there should not be a separation, especially since, you know, black women in America have really, really, really voted the most in, in, in America. Uh, they've made presidents. Yes, they have. <laughs> yes, they, yes um, they have. <laughs> yes, they have. Uh, uh, which is an additional reason why I have so much rage about the way a pandemic can affect the black community because right. it feels like a new form of redlining. It feels it like a deliberate. It Georgia, Georgia, one oh. not paying their people for their unemployment and opening right. things up early also feels like an experimentation with the black community of seeing exactly. See, not that many people died. It feels like a. It right. feels. Except Black America it's have the thing. most heart disease, the most diabetes, the most issues with their health. Than any, than any of the population. That is also a reflection it, 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 of a past of trauma that it has epigenetic effects. Exactly. For hundreds of years. Not only is it there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For hundreds of years. Yeah, and then Georgia just opens it up and let, let's, ex, let's experiment with a part of our population. It's like, why are you experimenting with a part of your population? That makes no sense. So, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> 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 We're gonna drive each other crazy right now. We're gonna drive each other crazy. So, <laughs> so let's go back. Oh, it's, okay. it's okay. So let's let's go back to your acting. <laughs> so what yeah. was the first? Yeah, what was on. the first? What was the first acting gig you got involved in that made that made you happy? Because you've been involved with plenty of acting gigs. You, you were in Cold April, but but Chuck was the first gig you really got was like kind of a big gig. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now we have to go ahead and like, what is our, what is our definition of happy and what is our definition of art? Okay. Right. <laughs> right. TV role that I did book when I first moved to California. Um, it was a big break for me. I got past Hartley on that show. Uh, I was really lucky. I got a co-star as a hostess in a restaurant where I got to greet two of the stars and show them inside. I got the sachet in my dress and heels and I felt really proud of myself. Sashay, um, sashay. Uh, sashay, sashay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was a wonderful event in my acting career. Um, right. But there are different types of acting that I've experienced so far in my career. And TV is very different from film, which is very different from stage, which is very different from motion capture, which is very different from just like in-home poetry sessions. There's all kinds of like different performance modes uh, that, offered different types of gratification um and so when it comes to like 
building success in my film and TV career, Chuck was an event that I am very proud of because that happened within the first year of me moving to California. And I have, I have friends who weren't that fortunate. Right. Um, my, the first show that I feel like gave me agency over myself as an actor and that proved to me that I didn't need other people to define myself as an actor was uh, my senior college production of For Colored Girls by Ntozaki Shange. Um, wow. And that's a play, it's a choreo poem because it's a combination of like scenes with poems uh, all about black women and you know, their tell experience me everything in the world. Tell me everything about it, yeah. Yeah, um, Ntozaki Shange wrote this fantastic choreo poem where she, her all of her characters are referenced by the colors of the rainbow. So there's lady in blue, lady in purple, yellow, lady in yellow, uh, lady in green, and I was lady in red. Um, and each of them expressed a different side of black womanhood. Um, wow. And uh, most of it is set up as monologues. Um, there were some scenes interspersed or some uh, poems that had lines going back and forth between characters. But because it was so monologue heavy and because Lady in Red had the bulk of uh, the lines, it just gave me a reason to really buckle down and, and carve out the type of actor that I wanted to be. And I right. told myself that like, I wanted to be able to own the stage and I wanted to be able to feel comfortable and daring and vulnerable up there by myself. And I wanted to be able to take ownership of all the different characters that I was shifting and morphing into. And so it was the first where I wasn't relying on a director to tell me what to do. It was the first time where I was kind of like, I'm making a decision for where this is going to go. And I have to take the steps to execute. Wow. Um, uh, that's so a, that that's was a lot of control. Really eye opening for me. Yeah, it was empowering. Uh, wow. I mean, I don't know why it took that long for me to realize that was an option. Like that, that kind of dedication can apply to any role that you take on. Yeah. But that's the you first could, time you, that you like, could have messed like, up, you could have messed that up so easily. It's unbelievable. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Surely could have. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like for, for performance wise, theater is there's a different type of gratification. You have the sure. response of an audience to like give you feedback in terms of what you did that did and did not land. Uh, you have like the pre performance jitters to keep you focused. You have your own little rituals that go into that. And like there's just different rituals to adapt to film and T V, but stage has a special right. place in my heart. Right. Um what was what there was what was the question? <laughs> no, I, I mean, <laughs> we were just asking, we were just talking about your, your, your years over there in, in, in film. And then you started talking about yeah. this, this, this filming over here, the, the, your high school years or your college years about or this one. Yeah. Group. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah, film is, is different. Um, film is a different kind of thrill. Film, right. there's one, a larger production value. So automatically you feel as though you're part of something special in that way. Um, sure. And like there, the stakes feel higher as a result, working on any kind of large production TV show or film. Um, right. But you don't have the same kind of collaborative 
several months preparation phase that you have for theater. So it definitely does feel as though film and TV is a, there's a different type of professionality that, that is needed um, where you not only show up knowing your lines, but you show up with a broad expectation and understanding of this is what the director needs from me in this scene. Let me ask these questions in advance. Let me make sure that I am available and acceptable right. so that they're not ever looking for me. Uh, can I eat when we're scheduled to eat or do I need to not, right. do I need to have an empty stomach to get through the scene that we're about to do? <laughs> sure. Yes. There's all kinds of little micro micro planning things that you need to do. Um, prepping for film and TV that seem innocuous, but like for each person is specific and very important. Uh let me see. Let me see. Let me ask you a question. Have you have you seen yeah. uh, Octavia Spencer's? Um, uh, what was her film that she just did on Netflix? She did uh, Self Made. Have you seen that yet? Self Made. I have not seen that yet. I've heard good you know, things though, but I haven't see seen that, it. That's my that's my my thing about Netflix is that it keeps on rotating films. Self Made was based on the the richest black woman in American history uh, before any other woman beforehand. And uh, she self-made a hair product that revolutionized hair product for black women. And it has, uh, it has some incredible actress in it. It feels like Boz Lerman directed a part of oh, it. Okay. It was so strange and so delightful, but Octavia, Octavia Spencer is amazing. And I've been talking about it on my show. I am telling you. I've been talking about it on my radio show for literally about like five months now about self-made and Octavia <laughs> Spencer. But, but I, I'm, I'm always surprised when nobody's ever watched it before, but please watch that show. I think you, I think you'll really love that show. It's a, it's, a, it's a, it's a great, a great fun show. And she is magic. She is magic. Okay. She, she definitely <laughs> makes you, she definitely makes you feel something great. Now you went on to acting from that point on, and you went into you went into Hollywood. The stunts was not your major thing, but I do want to talk about one film that you did, which which is based on my one of my favorite directors in the, in the entire world, which is The Hateful Eight. Now, now what mm-hmm. what was what was that filming like? Because I was actually at the film that you're at in Durango. I don't know if you were at Durango, but I was in Durango filming with uh, Quentin Tarantino at that time. What was your experience? Uh, like no, I didn't set? travel up for there. I was uh, that was actually a moment where we were um, catching scenes locally. Uh, oh, production is fascinating. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, that was that was actually the first feature film that I ever worked on. Okay. Uh, that was also my very first stunt job. Okay. Um, that was a fantastic learning experience for me and like just delightfully carved my memory uh, because it's gotten to a point in Hollywood where I was like, okay, cool. I have a place that I'm living where I feel good about. Uh, I have a good workout regimen where I feel like I'm like building myself into the person that I want to be. And right. uh, I'm starting to get this footage that's really showing me off in a way that I feel confident. Like I feel like I felt like I had a growing trajectory. Right. Um, so that. Uh, when Hateful Eight came around, it was kind of like a submit myself. Yes, me. Awesome. Thank you so much. We're like, and it wasn't even submission thing. No, that was not it. That wasn't it. They actually called me to ask if I was available for it, which was even more novel in my mind. Um, wow. Uh, Clay Donahue thought not. 
I had met him on the I had met him on New Girl, and I asked him like mm. all of the novice stunt questions imaginable. Like you do stunts, how does a, how does one stunt? Where does what where does stunting happen? How do I do it? <laughs> <laughs> and he um, was very patient and tolerant as I went through my line of questioning, and um, wound up calling me about eight months later asking if I wanted to be involved, he said like, yeah, you have seemed to be the right build and the right height and seem to have the right attitude to do all right in this business if you want to do it. So you want to be a part of hateful eight. And it was, that was the launching off point for me, which was awesome. Wow. That's taking, that's taking a huge chance. He's a gigantic director. It was a gigantic film. Um, what, yeah. what, what part of the, what part of the film did you play in? Was it the last scene where everybody started shooting each other? Uh, no, it was earlier in the film, but I'm also not at stream. I am not able to get too far into the details when it comes to that. Yeah, <laughs> Gee, yeah, you know that, that. I don't remember a lot of stunts in that film. I remember a lot of controversy in the film. I actually saw it in the 70 millimeter form. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, oh yeah, I saw it in the 70 millimeter form, and I, I kept a couple of the books that I held behind. It, it was a it was a great film. Um, I wouldn't say it was my favorite of Quentin Tarantino's film, but it, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's kind of like talking about, um, you know, Baz Luhrmann or, 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 you know, a lot of these great directors where it's like, you know, they're, you're not so favorite film goes to like seven <laughs> opposed to like, yeah. you hate it. You know what I mean? I mean, he's a genius and he's done some, I mean, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, you you can't you can't go against that. He is that. a very talented writer who has been granted many opportunities to go ahead and express himself freely. But like yeah. he also had a, a fair amount of resources where he was able to do that without concern. Right. Um, You're right. So like yeah. yes, he was he he he's an auteur that was crafted in his own right. Um, Absolutely. With the resources that he had available and with the time that he was able to devote to his craft, that is that yeah. is. He is very fortunate in that way. I remember going. To, I remember going to a movie theater and thinking to myself, you know, because I'm a writer director myself, and, and I've been a mm-hmm. teacher for over 30 years. And I, I I went to this movie theater and I thought to myself, in San Francisco, right before Pulp Fiction was going to open for the first day, and I'm like, I'm going to be mm-hmm. Qu- the next Quentin Tarantino. I'm going to be the next Quentin Tarantino. You know, like he and I see eye to eye. <laughs> I go into the film. I walk out. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be the next Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, like, no, 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 who wants to be the next Quentin Tarantino living no. in that shadow forever? No. Don't try to be the next Quentin Tarantino. No. Be, be yeah. whatever weird, quirky, delightful being yeah. you are, and people, people, people will say they wish they were you. It was so, it was so insane. I'm like, there's no way I can do something like this, dude. I got my own films to do, man. There's no way I can do, exactly. I can do <laughs> but but you 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 kept on acting and and you did you did those um great plays and you went off from that and you went on to chuck you know what what is what is next to, i mean i can call out your resume if you want but what is next to came <laughs> i mean <laughs> right i mean I, you know i mean i i, I the, the, the one things that i look at right here are like um like gang related or big ideas which which i saw what did you think about Big Ideas? Uh, Big Ideas, uh, that was actually, um, that was an educational platform. 
where they were teaching for different textbooks, um, math, science skills. Uh, yeah. So that was a really great opportunity, honestly. That was my first major hosting gig. Um, it's on YouTube. While also, yeah, um, it was a big hosting gig where I also was learning a lot about science. That, and I was learning a lot about math and science. They were teaching in a way that was not familiar to how I had learned it. So it felt like I was in school all over again each night right. as I was getting ready for work the next day. Right. Um, and so like that was, that was also happening during a time in my life. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So a lot Tell was us. happening when I did big ideas. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, I was showing up on set with my skin peeling because I was having fevers overnight because we later found out that I was allergic to the antibiotics that I was taking and Whoa. going through kidney failure. So okay. that, that was one element of big ideas that I was trying to think past. Uh, but that was also occurring within a couple of weeks after my mom had passed away. And so that was another element of me just trying to finish going to work. So your mother passed away, you're um, going through kidney, kidney failure, and your skin is peeling away. Anything else you want to add to that grocery list? I'm looking really cute. <laughs> I have no doubt you're really cute. I have no doubt about that I'm at all. showing up to work. I'm trying to be as bubbly as possible. And golly, all I need is a what, what, what in the world happened to your kidney? Uh, so nothing specifically happened to my kidney except that I was taking antibiotics. Uh, right. So that's when we found out that I was allergic to the sulfur in the antibiotics. And so, so my kidneys weren't handling it very well. Um, but like the actual thing that caused me to be on antibiotics was innocuous comparatively. I don't even remember what, what that was. It was just the aftermath. Like a cold or some, bullshit, some baloney like that. Yeah. Uh, something, some spider bite, something. I don't know. Yeah. That's horrifying. Um, but like there, there's a lot of, <laughs> uh, I was very fortunate to be living. I was, I was living with friends of mine at the time where, uh, one of them was home and able to take me to the hospital because I was babbling to myself and clearly just like, I mean, delirious in my fever. And so he took me to the hospital we tried to figure out what was wrong. We realized that it was the antibiotics at that point, but yeah, medicine's scary when you don't understand what's happening. Sure. Are are you one of those people that are, are like you know, uh, you know my my mother just passed away. I'm just gonna keep on working. Um, I think for me, it wasn't a matter of my mother passed away. I need to find something to do. It's there's always been a a driven survival mentality where I'm telling myself if I don't do the next job that becomes available, then I don't know when the next one will come. So I need to go ahead and take this opportunity for what it is and, and ride it to the wheels fall off. Um, wow. And so I had been throwing that energy into the universe up until the point when my mom passed away. So at this point I was still reaping the benefits of all of that energy. Yeah. I understand. My mom died. <laughs> I, I did. I did the same thing. My father died, and I started teaching like two days later, and it, it, yeah. it, it literally drove me mad. I'll be honest with you; it drove me mad because I looked around me, and I'm like, I, "You guys are a bunch of strangers." Well, what, what happened was that I looked around people, and I'm like, "You guys are a bunch of strangers," 
and I don't even know you. And it's sort of freaking mm-hmm. me out that way where it's like, I, I don't know anybody. And people are sort of reaching out to me and they're like, I'm so sorry. And, uh, and I'm like, I don't know you. And people don't know how, people don't know how to soothe when you're confronted with a, a tragedy exactly. like that. They don't know they how do, to They control. do not. I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame them. I mean, God bless them. No, I don't blame no, them. We don't have we don't have social structures that help people know how to navigate that circumstance. We treat death like it's a tragic thing it, we don't talk about. You said it right. Exactly. So I don't blame them at all, but I, I just did, I didn't know how to handle that situation where it's like, you know, I, yeah. I, I got to keep on going. I got to keep on working. I got to keep on moving. You know, this is what my father would want for me. And when I looked around, mm. I'm like, I'm like, wow, you guys are just a bunch of strangers, man. Like, you know, I don't so even wait, know so what I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so do you do you have siblings or was it are you an only child? I, I no, I had two two older brothers, but by the time okay. they were each eighteen years old, they moved on, got married, and had families. Ah, so by the time so you grew you know, up like an only. Exactly, and I was a Lasky child as well. So they they just moved on with mm-hmm. their lives. So so when my when I was twenty four and my father died, wow. I was by myself, and I had to call and them. So yeah, and I had to call them to let them know our dad's dead and like you know they're acting like the heroes like i'll be there the next day it's like yeah you weren't there when he died though it's like it's a, it's a completely different experience you're going to be here afterwards bro so it's it's it, it's really testifying to the most extreme experience you can possibly have and i'm not blaming mm-hmm. my brothers i mean they had their own lives and what have you but it, it was yeah. uh, it was bad it was bad it was a bad situation i understand where you're coming from yeah, you just kind of like buckle down and, and realize these are the things that still need to happen. You you manage. Are you in, are you an only child? That no one else can do it. Uh, I am my. Well, see, now I found out that I'm. This is not true. <laughs> I, say, I am my mother's only child, but I just realized I found out recently that that is not the case. Um, okay. <laughs> life is weird. Life um, is life is I, life is terrifying. I am my mother's only living child. There we go. Right. Um, right. And I am the oldest of four on my father's side. Wow. He had more kids, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wow. the thing is, is that, like, he, he comes from, he is one of 11 children. So having a large family, I think, was always in his mind. Right. Uh, just society did not evolve to a place where that made any sense. Did you um, meet them? Did my, you meet, did you meet your new family? Oh, my other siblings? I mean, we're yeah. all halves. So, yeah, we know of each other. Um, yeah. We we all know of each other. Oh, you do, uh, you, all... you do the halves baloney? You really? You do the halves stuff? Why, why really? do you feel like that's baloney? I mean, come on, man. You guys are just siblings. You know that. I mean, come on. You're not oh, halves so anything. Here's the thing. So here's the thing. I agree with you. I yeah. have shared that mindset and I love my siblings and I have called them my siblings for the entirety of the time that we've been in existence. Yeah. Um, I am not the one who stipulates between halves. I am currently only honoring what has been requested of me. Oh, uh, really? There are contentious situations that are further complicated by just distance and a lack of communication and I really do believe that if only there was transparency involved in our relationships, then we wouldn't feel the ways that we're feeling. But right. 
that has not been granted to us because there are people in our lives who would have us never cross paths. And that's right. not for my request. That's just what life has been so far. I agree with you. Yeah. Life I don't, is I don't, <laughs> it, it is. Well, you look at, when you look at Genghis Khan, and you look at his family line, you know, I, you know, that's probably, I, I, I know that's probably the worst example, but, <laughs> but, but he did not believe and, and the Mongolians do not believe in half anything. They believe that once yeah, no, you're part of a family, blood. yeah, your blood, your blood, and that's all they believe in. Blood is blood. And that's all I believe I'm in. Sure man. That's I, I do you? I do. I share that sentiment. I mean, I also think that as much as blood is blood, you can also choose your family. And it's how you treat the people whom you love that really define what your family oh, is. Oh, hell yeah. And so, so like, it's not even just blood. But yes, being, having, having any shared ancestry does bind you. Yeah. Like, I am fascinated in the ways that I see, that my, see my father in my siblings. I'm fascinated right. in the ways that some of us have his humor. Some of us have his intellect. Some of us have his just positive views of the world. I am fascinated to see his influence at a nurturing level and at a genetic level. And that is a right. thing that I don't share with anyone else on this planet. That is something that I value and I cherish, and I wish we would cherish it together. But the choice right. not to do so is not mine. You know, Alex, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. You know, I, I, I've been loving my interview with you right now, and we have a – we have about 30, we have 3,200 people listening right now, but I have no idea if it's going to go to air. Yes. We have 3,200 people listening to us right now, but, but I'll be honest with you. I'm a little frightened whether I want to post this (laughs) and let it go live because I don't know if I sound like an idiot. I don't know if I sound like I'm crossing barriers or crossing borders that I should shut my mouth on. Oh, I haven't gotten that impression personally. No. Okay, so I, I I don't know at all because right now I'm just I'm really just talking for my brain. About that. <laughs> Was that? Say it again. The, I don't get the impression where that you said anything inappropriate or unkind or discourteous. Uh, that is not my experience so far in this interview. So like I, I, I am I am an open book in most cases. Yeah. I don't mind talking about things. Yeah, I'm just speaking from my 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 own brain, and, and I'm, I'm I'm I can mm-hmm. tell that I'm actually not cautioning myself, and I'm not I'm not pushing ah, myself back. You know what I mean? I'm sure. right. I'm not <laughs> pausing myself. You know, I'm talking about Black American, what have you. It's like you know that you probably should shut your mouth. But yeah, <laughs> but so let's here's, get, my, here's my question about that. I think it is. Uh, I understand the concern about not wanting to. Uh, alienate any of your listenership that is important um but also in my experience there is not anything that you have said about black america that should cause black america to be offended and as a member of black america i'm also of the impression that we live in a time and an age where especially during a pandemic helping each other is very helpful is very useful is very kind and i advocate for kind and courteous behavior and if being an uh, ally and being someone who is trustworthy is a thing that you are willing to be, then I support yeah. that. Yeah. It just it, it breaks my heart. And any chance I get to talk about it where, you know, somebody has an open, open ear for, you know, I will listen to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, will, I will talk that way. You know, when I, when I see certain disparities, they go separate ways. Like people killed in their own <laughs> apartment. You know, being a paramedic and what have you, and what have you, yeah, it, 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 that bothers me. And 
Yeah, Brianna. The great Brianna, who is living on her own, shot eight times. And by the way, he, this guy shot back at the cops with a no-knock, a no-knock uh, um, uh, subpoena going in there. You know, he shot back thinking that yeah. they were being robbed. And now this guy's in prison, you know, going on, uh, on a murder trial, and she's dead. And she was working for two different hospitals. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, this would never happen with a white family. In their own home. In their own home. And, and you know, there was no, by the way, the guy that they were looking for was already picked up. Well, they're already the guy, in custody, exactly. They're already, already in custody, man. It's like, you know, if you just did like a one phone call, you would have figured out that what guy was in custody. You didn't need a no-knock policy, man. It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever, and it shows a disparity. It shows a real separation in, in America, and it, and it really bo- bothers me because I took political science and cr- criminal studies in college, and, and we always studied this stuff, and, and it bothers me a great deal. But, you know, we were talking about that, and I'm thinking to myself, I probably should just shut my mouth. <laughs> I probably should just shut up, well, dude. I- I question your desire to shush up because I see you not wanting to offend, but I hear yeah. nothing offensive about the opinion you're sharing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If anyone does find offense with it, I would be very curious to understand them better, and I hope that they're willing to share their view about it. But sure. I don't think that you sharing your view on it has caused me as a member of Black America to have any offense. And I've yeah. only encouraged that you know we look out for one another. We have We have to look out for one another as Americans, in this time right now, during a pandemic, when there is absolutely a disparity between different cultures, there's an absolute difference in the way we're all being treated. And we have to watch out for each other, because when the world opens up again, do we want to be better people, or do we want to be worse people? And I've said this a thousand times before to my audience. Do you want to be better people? Or do you want to be worse people? And if you don't want to listen to these things, if you don't want to acknowledge these things, you'll be worse people. By the way, the only way for evil to exist is for good people to stand by and do nothing. And watch it happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I want, I want, I want my entire audience to understand that right now. You know, that's where I come from right now. Where I, I cannot stand evil going by and nobody doing anything and i understand that i don't get involved in politics and what have you in this this entire stream but you know i've leaked it in i've leaked it in a thousand times before by the way (laughs) a a, a bad second a bad bad separate talk about let's talk about modern let's talk about modern family A segue on segue. A segue on segue on segue. Modern Family is a huge show. We love Modern Family. We want Modern Family to keep on going. Like, and it's not obviously. It's the last year going it's on, not. but <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. But what was it, what was it like being on a show that 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 was so beloved? You know, when you get to work on a show that has been in production for that long, you are you are in the service of the beast that they have created. And Oh, that's the right way. Yeah. Well, no, like there, there's comfort in that also. Like not only yeah. do you have to like step up to the quality that they've built for themselves, but it also is very clear of how you contribute to the whole. Um, right. Because it was just clearly just 
well-oiled clock. Um, right. So I didn't have any problems in terms of information coming onto production. It, there's only ever the okay. It's the it's the self pressure. It's what you put yourself through in terms of this is the caliber of the show that I'm working on. I need to go ahead and show my best face. I need to go ahead and make sure that I am ready before I get there. Um, right. And and so like that's just that's just the self torture that I put myself through. But once I was on set, it was wonderful. Everyone was so nice. everyone was so 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 nice and it was and it showed me also that like you can be part of a star cast and you cannot you can be part of a star cast and not have a perfect day but if you're working with people who care about you they will help you get through it Hmm. That was something that I was always so worried and concerned about that I thought that you would always ever get fired if you weren't able to deliver. But people are people and people have flaws and people live lives that have complications and going to work in Hollywood is just like going to work at your nine to five and you're not always happy and ready and willing to be there, but you still have to go to work. And so like you can only hope that your, your, your staff, your coworkers and your cohorts can see that today may not be a good day for you and be able to like lift you up out of that so that you all can succeed together. Like I I got to see that happening on that show and it was really reassuring to realize that like, no matter how much of a front you put forth, trying to be like, this is the actor that you need to see from me all of the time. I've got my shit together. Look at me. Is that, (laughs) that's a lot of effort. That's not necessary because we're all human beings subject to life. And sure. it's how you treat each other as as events occur that really determine how good of a work environment you really have. Well, speaking about that, you worked on This Is Us, which is like, you know, the crying mm-hmm. film of the decade, which is, you know, everybody <laughs> cries during this show here. And you're definitely, you know, going on a show where everybody knows who the characters are. They know how they feel. They want uh, they want yeah. a forward progressive you know story going on. What was it like being on that that kind of show where you know there's a lot of I don't know trauma. Ooh. So for that particular show, I was not involved in the heavily emotional part of it. Like my role in that show did not involve the the angst and the personal relationships involved. Um, I, was, I was the personal trainer who was showing uh, Kristen Metz around the premises of her new uh, lifestyle fitness getaway um, as she was managing her weight. Um, and so I, I had a different type of role on that show that I didn't get to experience just the heartache <laughs> And, and the coming together and the lifting each other up. My role was more um, functional in that, in that production. Um, right. And that, and that is part of the interesting contribution to TV and film is that you can, you can be hired to come in and serve a role and not fully understand how your role fits in the larger piece in the larger production because everything is so segmented. Um, whereas in a play, like you're there for the whole rehearsal, you see the beginning, middle, and the end of it, you know the arc of the piece because you've witnessed it in rehearsals over and over and over again. In TV and film, there are actors who never meet each other and don't realize they're in the same production until they see it released 
on Netflix. <laughs> right. So it's, it's you a know, different you, type of collaboration. So you have a different you have a different role in that capacity. You worked on Casey on the cover, which is a, a a lot of shows. Well, the the one show that a lot of our stunt females, stunt males, and mm-hmm. and actresses and actors have worked on before. Mm-hmm. I'm I I I'm afraid to, you know I I'm always afraid to say that I I, I love this show. <laughs> I really enjoy this show. <laughs> I probably should not never admit that. But you know, what was it like we're gonna, I, I don't know because maybe I'm just too old to watch that damn show. <laughs> no, man, you are not too old. There are people older than you working on that show. You're perfectly fine. Watching <laughs> it's like, damn, what am I watching this show for? But I, I, I really love for that show. For the value, for the family qualities, for the friendships that are forged in strikes, all of those reasons. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I'll tell you, is that Zendaya is, is actually in uh, and going to so be in talented. Dune. Dune, which is one of my favorite movies in the planet Earth, one of my favorite books on the planet okay, Earth. Okay, okay. So, I, so, wait, 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 wait. So, like, Frank, yes. Dune is a fantastic book. It yeah. is. I'm a sci-fi person. I enjoyed it. Uh, the fight oh, you want to fight, don't great. you, huh? Oh, I see this. No, I don't want to fight. What I'm saying is that why are we doing another Dune when we already have the Sting production? And really, that was indicative. That was reason enough not to go be- on. Be- I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I'll tell you why. Because it, was, <laughs> it wasn't widely accepted. It wasn't widely understood. I, I remember movie, working in the movie theaters when the movie came out. They passed out books, which, by the way, I never got a chance to get a hand on. They passed out books. Okay to the customers to explain what was happening in a trade is what was happening in this what was happening in that that sounds like a lot to watch a movie no seriously right and i would stand outside the theater (laughs) and i would explain to them what happened in the movie now you you gotta i'll I'll be honest with you you gotta be an idiot not to understand what happened in that movie i mean you can at least watch it twice and 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 Mm -hmm. by the way can, can i tell you this much i was able to do the uh the scene of uh what's his name i i worked with i can't even remember what his name is he did he did uh he did uh all the all the films like uh he was the lead actor he did all those films and i was working on i was working on brady bunch the second film i was a location manager he was smoking a cigar <clears throat> and he's a lead actor of the film and i said you can't smoke a cigar out here sir he goes, okay, well, I'll smoke a cigar outside if you smoke one with me. I'm like, okay. Well, so we go nice. outside and we, we smoke a cigar. Let me, let me look up his name real fast because I feel like a jerk right now. Okay. No, it happens sometimes. You know, I, Not that you're I being just, a jerk, but that sometimes you forget names. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I got I doing this you know 2020. You get okay, we, get, we all get it. So let me see. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh my God! You know, there's. Can you believe that there's that many dunes going on here? Yeah, that's like what I'm saying. Why are there dunes? more dunes? That's my only issue. I know. You know, you know I should. I should. That's I should, my primary I should, issue. I should. I should just do this. I should do uh, Twin Peaks. I'll find them there. Oh. I'll find them there. That was in Yeah. 
so audience, uh, Dave, so, Dave, so da- uh, audience, David Lynch was a director of <laughs> Dune. You know that one. And oh, yes. Kyle MacLachlan. There you go. So here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Kyle MacLachlan was, you know, and Kyle MacLachlan calling right now. Let me give him a phone number here, Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> so Kyle McLaughlin, my phone number is 515-602-9609. Uh, you were smoking a cigar inside the Brady Bunch house in Malibu, right connected to Zuma Beach. And uh, I told you that you cannot smoke that cigar inside. You said, you know, you can smoke the cigar outside if I smoked one with you, and I did. And Kyle McLaughlin, you know, asked me, you know, I told him, I'm like, you're a big hero of mine. Like I love your films. I love I love your movies. He goes, Really? Really? What movie do you love? Like like almost wow. questioning me. And I go, Well, yeah, Dune. Like, do you mean it? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, do you really love me? I'm like, Dune. He goes, Dune. Pulling Dune out of the ether for him must have been really great. <laughs> he goes, Dune. Who loves Dune? And I'm like, I'm like, would you like me to do a line? He's like, I would love it if you did a line. And I put my finger next to my nose, and I'm like, Father, Father, the sleeper has awoken. (laughs) And he just started clapping for me. He just started clapping for me. And I'm like, you are, you are doomed to me. You are the best. To me, oh, so cool. what an so that was moment you gave each other in that. I know, I know. I, you know, I'm sad to say that's the last acting performance I ever did. But you know, Kyle MacLachlan was in, in, yeah. in, in, it was such an impressive uh, being to see. And I mean, when you see Dune, it was incredible. But we're talking about Zendaya. Zendaya is actually playing Chinese, mm. uh, Chinese in, in uh, okay. So okay. that yeah, so she's playing Chinese in, in the new Dune. So I can't wait to see her in that. But we were talking about Casey on the cover. So yeah. <laughs> you keep, you keep on getting me off target. You're, you're no wonder <laughs> you keep on getting me off target. So we're talking about Casey on the cover. What was that like working on? <laughs> wow. You, you, you are my Achilles heel. You know that? No, 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 no. I just like to have a conversation. That's all. We can go anywhere you want to go. Uh, Casey on the cover. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we went from Dune to this to me doing the line to Casey undercover. <laughs> All right. Don't forget Kyle. Kyle McLaughlin was totally in there. Kyle McLaughlin. And I did that line. I did that line. And I, I'm telling you, I did that line perfectly. I didn't do it because I have I have a microphone next to my face, and I don't want to sound like an idiot. But I I seriously put everything I had into it. The reason why is that you never know when you'll meet these people ever again. You'll you'll never You're meet these people. Right. I mean, come on, let's be honest. You'll never meet these people ever again. So it's like you, you know, I might. Kyle McLaughlin might call in in the next ten minutes. You have no idea. <laughs> I don't have any idea, but I, I gave every <laughs> I gave everything I had into that title right there, and that is one of the greatest films I've ever seen in my in my life. And I'm glad Zendaya is part of that film. So you know, one of the reasons why I saw Casey on the cover was because Zendaya was. A star in that show. She's a she's a great star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was like she working on it? A fantastically talented young artist who has a who had who still has a great understanding of where she wants her career to go, of what she is capable of, and she has a fantastic work ethic. So everything that she has earned so far is completely and utterly deserved. And I am 
right. I'm very proud watching her grow and evolve in her creative career. Um, yeah. I had a great time on that show. I worked stunts for them, uh, doubling for a couple of episodes. And uh, that was also fairly early on in my stunt career so that I was still like learning the ropes, trying to figure out how I can contribute and what, 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 what my place was in this industry, if there was a place at all. And um, so that show gave me my first chance working in TV for stunts. It also gave me my first chance working um, with a multi-camera setup for a comedy. Uh, which oh, really? Is a different type of. It's a different beast than it is for a. It is. Camp. It's a um, different animal. Yeah, it, it's a different animal completely, just in terms of how you consider your placement and your movement in the scene, how you deliver your lines. I mean, in sense, in that case, you're not don't have lines to deliver, but you have the added responsibility of making sure that people don't see your face, so that they can believe that you are someone else. Right. And so it's just, it's other things to factor into your movement, which is, which is it was a fun obstacle. Um, right. But definitely, like, every job I've had, it feels like there's a, a major thing that I'm trying to learn from it, that it was a new thing that I hadn't confronted before, which is part of what I find very fascinating about being in the arts in general, that, like, no two jobs is ever the same. Um, cause right. I feel like I would be just bored behind a desk forever if I had a desk job. I had a desk job, and I left it. <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah. can't abide. I can't. I can't imagine you in a desk job. I'll be completely honest with you. Thank you. I'm a, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that would drive anybody nuts. But yeah, no way. Now you worked on Pitch Perfect three. You know, a, a good friend of mine worked mm-hmm. on that film, which is Ashley Hudson. Uh, did you nice. ever get, get? Yeah. Did you meet Ashley Hudson? Uh, I know of her, but I don't know that I had a chance to see her in this production. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine. We you know, we go to Disneyland together. What did you What did you feel like working on that film together? That was uh that was the first time that I was called outside of LA to work on a job, which okay. was a really charming experience for me. Um, I got to fly out to Atlanta and work out of the studio out there, uh, and so it was a it was the first time that I got to work since in a different place. Uh, right. It was the first time that I got to like travel for work, which was hugely rewarding for me because like I had spent so much time being like, oh, I'm an actor and oh, I do stunts and oh, I'm in the arts entertainment. So really, it doesn't mean that I'll have a chance to see the world because I'll never have the money. Right. And no, I could I cannot have the money and still travel for work. That's that's that's, that's right. always an option. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it also showed me just how much money this industry has because, right. like, I got out there. They put me up in a place to stay. Uh, we were shooting. We were shooting events that happened on a yacht, uh, John Lithgow's yacht. And so it wasn't even. And because um, there were a lot of scenes on this yacht, they didn't want to risk it by having an actual boat on the water where you have to deal with the elements as a factor. So they That's built hilarious. a yacht on a soundstage. <laughs> oh my god with water and everything so That's they crazy. can control the elements and so like i'm just sitting here completely in awe of the amount of money that people are willing to spend for the sake of controlling their final product which also respect for controlling your final product but like who knew that there was that kind of excess funds to to i mean safeguard your investment i guess that's really what it comes right. down to that's right that's right so was it was it a good set to work on? Would you have fun with the people that you were working on with? 
it was a great set. It was a very female-centric set. There, there was a lot of really, really focused and dedicated women, not just in stunts, but, like, in all avenues of production working on that show. And so yeah. we all took a lot of great pride seeing each other, like, succeeding and doing well in a man's world. <laughs> We're right. like, yeah, see, we can do it too, lady power. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, very strong female energy just permeating that set. Um, but as a result, but that also was a reflection in terms of like where we wanted Hollywood to go. Not saying that it was just female centric, but like because it was mostly females, we were hyper conscious for safety. We were hyper conscious of building a work environment that was amenable to everyone's needs. Uh, and so I saw all the ways in which everyone was trying to make sure that we were moving as smoothly as possible and as efficiently as possible and as kindly as possible. And that's the first time that I really had a chance to experience that. And it wasn't even in Hollywood. Yeah. It was somewhere else, but the Hollywood atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It, was in, it was in Atlanta, but was a total Hollywood foundation. Well, Atlanta and Canada are just, you know, they're just separate zones of, you know, the Hollywood atmosphere. They're extensions of Hollywood at this point, yeah. Pretty much. So tell me about Integrity. So Integrity is a new film that's coming out that has you as a star, the star in role? So Integrity is a different thing. Integrity is, uh, is me contributing time and energy, helping friends make their own production. Um, and it was a cool little... Uh, it was a cool bit where I got to be a police officer trying to balance family with working on the job and the trauma that results therein. Um, Right. And so it was a really interesting opportunity of being able to flex, like where my casting is moving to. Am I still playing the young, cute, anything, or can I like legitimately serve as, a law enforcement officer, believably, and do I do I pull off the being a mother of this precocious ten-year-old? Well, like how, like where am I sitting in my casting lately? And so that was that was a role where I really got to push that boundary for myself and see how I fit. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. What is the story oh, wow. about? Thank you for that little reminder. Yeah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what is the story about? Um, integrity is, is balancing all of the life responsibilities of like work on the job and parenting at home while still banishing tragedy. And in this character's case, her partner had been killed on her watch. And so she's battling a lot of the guilt for not being the partner that she would have wanted in that case. Um, and for letting down not only her partner, but her partner's family and the guilt and responsibility and, and grief of all of that while still balancing the demands of life and parenting. Right. Um, right. That makes sense. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. You know, what are you, lo- what are you, you looking forward to? in the future of your, of your filmmaking, obviously it's been cutting short because of this whole pandemic and what have you, but it's a very strange time to be a creator and an artist. It is, (laughs) you know, but I've always seen you as as a foregoing, you know, force of industry. So what what are you looking forward to in the future? I am in a phase of reinvention currently. 
Okay. And so that is still a, a question that's, ex- I mean, a question that is up in the air, but expectantly so in my mind, where sure. I don't feel the pressure of trying to define of where it is that I'm going and what I have to become. I am trying to re- reframe my life as more of the journey rather than the destination. Um, so I don't quite know where my interests will land me, but I do know right. that my interests currently are starting to seg- segue away from ground and pound and, and, and hitting the dirt as much with the stunts that I've been doing. And I've been getting right. a lot more visually stimulated by art and drawing and painting and directing and, and having a chance to have an influence that isn't necessarily performative or at, in front of the camera. Uh, so my interest lately has been a lot more in terms of like, okay, I've been helping out with productions over at, um, a few universities doing site direction, um, and building choreography for their shows. And so it's, I've had a great, I felt wonderful gratification in teaching these students, like how to find their bodies in performance and how I can convey my needs in a creative way that they can access. Access, access, right. access, success, access. What a <laughs> word. One of those. <laughs> it's one of those. You got. I think you got one of the three. <laughs> what a strange word. You say a word too many times and suddenly it loses. I know. It, it, um, it sounds like orange all of a sudden. Or yeah, orange. Or yeah, just like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I. I mean, I have. I got into NYU on an art degree that I just never really tested the boundaries of. So now I'm coming back to my art and painting and trying to figure out what, what things I can create with my hands more so. Than you like get to NYU with, 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 with a, you get to NYU with, with a, with a, uh, with I, a I got in. I didn't go because going to NYU, going to New York on an art degree sounds ridiculous, but then going to NYU and spending $40,000 a year on an art degree sounds even more, even more ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't go, but I got, you're, you, you are an, you are an intriguing human being. You know, I picked the right person when I first met you, you are really an intriguing (laughs) human being. You, you, first of all, you're full of light. You're full of energy. You're, 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 you're not light on your opinion. And I, I do love them. Um, <laughs> you're, 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 you know, <laughs> okay, you're, 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 not light I know. on your opinion. <laughs> you're not light on your opinion, but you, you know, you're, 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 you're a great human being. And I, I you know, one of the, one of the Thank scary you. things about you is that you're, you're, you're fun to talk to. And I, I don't I don't know if no, that's, that's right scary. for radio, you know, because you might say something that's not right. And uh, I, I really Ooh. modulate in the way that I, I really modulate in the way that I talk and the way I talk about things. I think this is probably the scariest show I've done so far. And I'm definitely going to listen Ooh. back on this show and make sure that I'm talking right. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say. No, whether this goes to air or not, I'd be really <laughs> curious to know why you chose what you chose to do. Well, you to, you told me that everything I said today was correct. And that you, as as a female, oh. you 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 concur that that what I said today was correct. So I'm I'm taking that as so just. If, if I may massage that just a little bit, uh, I am not necessarily saying that everything that was said is correct because I do acknowledge that we've had a conversation that has been rife with opinions. 
and opinions yes. don't necessarily dictate facts. You're right. Um, but I will say that the opinions that you have expressed today have not been offensive to me. And if it were to be offensive to others, I'd be curious to know why. But I do not think that people as a whole should take offense to what has been said personally. Yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely listening to this radio show again. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to I'm, say who's right, who's wrong or anything. I I'm am definitely like... listening to this crap over again. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the last thing I want to do is offend somebody, but the, 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 you know, I felt very strongly about what I was talking, talking about. You and I were talking yeah. about something that were very, very forthright conversations. And uh, quite honestly, I mean, even I mean, it's a scary thing to be honest and vulnerable and direct. It is, you know, even if I shut this down, I, I I'm not going to change my opinion. You know, my opinion is the way it is. Ooh. That, that's mm-hmm. yeah that's the way that's the way i feel you know i'm sorry if that i'm sorry if you're offended by that but that's just the way i, I feel. feel the same way yeah and, and we talked about things that were very kind of you know abstract and, and maybe out of the realm of conversation of, of, of acting but it was in the conversation of who we are as people and what we think of as yeah. human beings and i think that's really important to talk about so let me ask you a question. What are you looking forward to? You know, like I said before, what are you looking forward to in your future? You, you said art. You said you're looking forward. Now, what I what I heard was directing. That's 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 mm-hmm. kind of what I heard. So you're looking forward to directing. <laughs> uh, I directing is something that people have been pushing me towards for the entirety of my creative career, and I have. I wonder really why. Had the, I haven't had the bandwidth for it personally. Um, it, there, it is a great deal of responsibility managing something in that way. And I have been taking so much energy trying to figure myself out that I didn't want to be responsible for the success or failure of others. And as a director, I think as the leader of production, you take the good and the bad for the final product. And I wanted to be able to do that well in the name of everyone that was involved. And sure. I finally feel like I may be at a place where I'm able to do that to my to my standards. Right. Yeah. I think I'm finally getting to that place. To where you want it to be. Yeah. Or at least be the type of director that I want to be. The type of director that I, that I would want to work for. Do you feel like your family is proud of you? Of what you've done? Who you are? Oh, lay out the heavy question, Steve. <laughs> um, I... I do. I, I would like to believe that my family is proud of me. Uh, yeah. I am a very flawed human being that, that, you know, I feel like people have their talents and they have their skills and it manifests in different ways that people do and don't see. Um, right. I think my strong suits are the things that we've been talking about and my strong suits are the things that you've been asking about. And my career and the energy that I put into it is, is something that I have no problem bringing to the forefront because it's something that I built with that in mind. Um, do I feel like there are times that I could have been a better family member? Yes. Uh, do I feel as though there are ways in which uh, family is complicated and misunderstood both for me and from their own point of view? Yes. Um, I strive to be something they can be proud of, but I also see the ways in which family could be a more united supportive group but that takes that requires everyone's effort and not just singular right. effort and that goes 
for all stages. That goes for nuclear families, to extended families, to neighborhoods, communities, societies. There has to be an intentionality behind behavior. Otherwise, it's just going to keep flailing. Right. Well, you make a lot of sense to me. You know, when, when we go forward here, let, let's talk about the forward progressive progression of like the youth. When the youth grows up and they want to become like you and they want to be, do the things that you've done. And let's just say somebody has the same mm-hmm. experience that you've had. Is there any kind of advice you'd give to that person? Let's, you're saying that someone who has the same experience that I've had so far? No, let's just say somebody who, who is close to you, that, that is looking up to you, that, that wants to become so, like you, what have you. Yeah. Um, I don't think that you have to have, you don't have to have a fraction of my life experiences to be where I'm at. I don't think, um, there, no matter who you meet in the world, no matter, uh, what event or venue you are attending, I mean, we've just proved it. There's always going to be someone there who has someone, something to teach you or who has some novel experience to share. And like, we haven't really seen each other since the bowling event years ago. And here we are. That's right. Um, right. And there, the thing that I wish that I had understood better that I think I knew at the time, didn't know how to, you can know a thing and not know how to live it, you know? Right. Um, Is finding a way to be, to be in your body, to exist wholly within your body from one moment to the next. Um, I think culturally, living in the rat race, we all get so caught up in the analytical of, okay, so this is what my day is going to be, and this is what my five-year plan is going to be, and this is when I'm going to get groceries, and this is when all of this, 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 this needs to happen for me to be the person that I dream of being, without realizing that, like, nah, like, life is literally, like, where are you existing at this present moment? And how can you make this very present moment the best moment that it can be? And if you practice that game repeatedly, then all of the memories are good present lived in moments that you don't have a reason to forget. Hmm. And I have succeeded at that and failed at that repeatedly. And so I'm always trying to get back to the baseline of what is it, what am I experiencing in the now so that I am not ruled by whatever fear exists in my mind, you know? You know, there was something incredible about you when I first met you, and we just proved to the audience what is incredible about you now. You know, you're very earnest, honest, and, and really an explosive individual that speaks her mind. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, and Thanks makes so. people feel, you know, whole when they, when, they listen, when, when they listen to you. And I'm very grateful for you being on our radio show today. You know, tell us, how can we get in touch with you? How can we watch everything about Alex? Um, thank you so and, much for asking and sharing that with me. I really do appreciate that. Um, my name is Alex Marshall Brown. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Alex Marshall Brown, all one word, A-L-E-X-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-B-R-O-W-N. You can also find me at AlexMarshallBrown.com on my website. You can go ahead and shoot me an email there and learn a little bit about what I've gotten into. Um, and, yeah, those are the main ways to connect with me. Just because I'm a visual person, I gravitate more to, towards Instagram than Twitter. That's, just, <laughs> that's my deal. 
I couldn't have I couldn't wait to have you on the radio show, and you know Alex Marshall Brown, uh, you know I, when I first it yeah, is tis you when I when I first met you 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 were quite an explosive personality, uh, you know no hidden facts no 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 hidden agendas. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I think I called you crazy sexy is is what I called you. <laughs> 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 I because mean, that's how you that's how you that's how you emailed me back. It's like, hey, this is Alex Marshall Brown, crazy sexy, and I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, man. I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember now. <laughs> but you, you you were an incredible incredible individual. You have a great amount of work behind you. Uh, we cannot wait to see what you accomplish next, what you get through next. And uh, what barriers you just smash through the wall like it's paper mache. You know, you're an incredible human being, and we're blessed to have you on the show. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on the show. We're going to give you a clap track out. And and, uh, by the way, I'm definitely going to listen to this show. I'm definitely going to listen to this show once it's done to make sure it's okay. Because <laughs> you and I, I are like I want jo- you to be nothing but confident when you put this out. We're, you and I are joking around like 80% of the time. I'm like, oh, did I say something wrong? Let's find out really fast before somebody like, you know, you know, spikes me in the head. Right. Oh, no, I, don't, I do not advocate for anyone spiking anyone in the head. So, any listeners who are interested in doing that, I do not much support less, that behavior. Much less me. I mean, please, God, the only thing I'm doing exactly. is uh, much, less <laughs> <your host. laughs> much less the host of the show. We got a lot of people listening right now. By the way, I'm looking. I'm looking at the, at the lines right now. Everybody loves you, and everybody loves what you have Aww. to say, and and they can't wait to see what you have next. The, the most common thing I'm seeing right now is they can't wait to see what you have next because you have such a sparkling personality you 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 don't hesitate to speak you're not one of those people that are hesitant before you're Mm. progressive in the the way that you talk about your family the way you talk about your career Mm. and the way you talk about your 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 your, uh your your future so that's what they're so happy about so thank you for helping out my Mm. audience and thank you for thank you for talking to me i appreciate it I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on the show and for for sharing the feel good vibes and being so wonderful and such a kind and generous host. Hey girl, you're wonderful. I'm gonna give you a clap track out. Here you go. I'm gonna dance the whole way out too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're awesome. I can't wait to see what you come up next. It's gonna be awesome. Bye girl. All righty then. Thank you. Take care. Now she is amazing. I honestly don't know if this show is going to go to air because I need to go back and listen to what I just said. I know what I just said, but I want to make sure it's not uh, insanely offensive to anybody. Um, But I had a great time. I had a great time. She's a great person, is she not? I chose her because... When I met her at the Ice Stunt Bowling event, which I meant a lot of our, our stunt people, she was an incredible personality. She was fun, articulate, flirty, 
I mean, you know, in, in a kind way, in a nice way, not in a weird way, but in a nice way. I couldn't wait to see what she came up with her future. You know, when you when you when you looked at her, you, you thought to yourself, you know, what is this person going to do? What is she going to accomplish? What is she going to make? And I cannot wait to see what she's going to make. We had her on the show today, and she told you the absolute truth of her being. So sincere, so kind, so generous. With her time, with her mind, with her soul. Alex, we are grateful for having you on. We're blessed to have a person like yourself on the show. Somebody who tells us how it is, how you feel, how you really feel. Not the political justice, the general political propaganda of how it's like to work. You told us what you felt and how you feel. We were impressed. We were happy. You always generated glow amongst other people. And we were satisfied. That was Alex Marshall Brown, world traveler. Actress, stunt woman, all around great human being. We love her. We can't wait to have her on the show again when she starts directing. What a great person. We talked about a lot of touchy subjects. I understand that. But I want all of you to understand that the only way we can get through this is together. As a family. As Americans. There is a disparity in America. You can't you can't knock that down. We're going to get through it together. We as Americans, we as humans, we're better than that. We're better people than that. Read that book, write that book, listen to that movie, watch that movie, write that movie. Love each other. Care for one another. We don't have that much time on this earth. You might think we do, but we don't. It's about time that we got over certain things and when America opens up who are you going to be when America opens up who are you going to be awoken to the new America better because of the new America 
a better person, a better friend, a better lover, a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better father, please think about these things because it's a time of reflection. The time to reflect on our lives. I really appreciate this time with you. I love you all. My name is Steve Pisa. This is Cinema Files Radio. I love you all. God bless. And please, be well.